Welcome to the RHA podcast. My name is Richard Triggs, and today's guest is Peter Locke, Chief Executive Officer at Heritage Bank. It's wonderful to have you along, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Peter. For those who are unfamiliar with Queensland, Peter is based at Toowoomba, which is about an hour and a half drive from Brisbane, and uh, it's a very beautiful part of Queensland and a fantastic place for me to go in order to conduct this interview because that is the head office of Heritage Bank here in Queensland. Peter's got an extensive career in the banking industry and I'm looking forward to introducing him to you. But in the meantime, for those people unfamiliar with the RHA podcast, let me briefly introduce myself. My name is Richard Triggs and I'm the managing partner of Arate Executive. And we recruit CEOs, senior leaders and non-executive directors for our clients throughout Australia. We also provide a range of career coaching and advocacy services for senior executives and non-executive directors who are actively looking for a new role. So if you have any vacancies in your team or alternatively you're actively looking for a new role yourself, I'd welcome the opportunity to have a chat to you. Let me now introduce to you, Peter Locke. Peter Locke is a true banking professional. And during his career, he's worked with a number of the major Australian banking organisations, including the National Australia Bank, Commonwealth Bank, St George Bank, Bank of Melbourne, and most recently in his role as Chief Executive Officer at Heritage Bank. Peter lives with his wife in Toowoomba. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Peter Locke. So uh, Peter, welcome to the RHA podcast. Fantastic to have you along. I was sitting up here in Toowoomba on what is a pretty nice uh, Winter's Day. <laughs> I uh, wondered whether it would be cool, but it's not cool at all. Uh, no, the, weather, the weather's been good. I've seen a bit of a difference between here and um, here in Melbourne. Oh, so I bet. A little, a little cooler in the morning, but nicer right. during the day. Oh, good. Well, uh, just to begin with, perhaps, Peter, if you'd like to let the uh, people listening know your current range of professional responsibilities. Well, uh, Richard, thank you. I'm the, the CEO of Heritage Bank. Uh, recently appointed, so eight months into the role, uh-huh. um, and and that's my sole responsibility at okay. the moment. I have uh, resigned from all of the other mm-hmm. uh, non-executive positions that I, I held in previous roles, mm-hmm. and just bedding myself down as the CEO of this bank. Right, and uh, was that a prerequisite of the appointment, or just something you've chosen? To uh, do? No, something I chose to do. Right. So I believe when you when you are starting out. A new role. You know, I'd like to give it focus. Uh-huh. And make sure that I'm not being distracted. Sure. So for me, that's coming in to a new city, yes. uh, a, a new uh, state, um, and establishing myself. So I've got a lot of other things that I have to, um, to think about at, at, at the same time. Right. Is concentrating on the job. Okay. And you've been in the role for nine months, but uh, you uh, it took a little while to transition um, from a complete move to Toowoomba. Well, for me, it was basically straight away. Okay. So, but, and it was a condition of the role sure. that uh, the CEO is headquartered in mm-hmm. Toowoomba. We're, 
141 years old as uh, Heritage Bank and its predecessors. Um, and we're very proud to be in our organisation, very proud of Queensland organisation, but mm -hmm. we're not a, uh, a state-based or a regional mm -hmm. bank. We are Australia's largest mutual bank. So mm -hmm. we, we are a national organisation, but headquartered in regional Queensland. Mm -hmm. So it's important for the board, an important part of our being, that the CEO is, is part of the town. Yeah. So I came up straight away. Um, my wife was transitioning um, uh, from Melbourne to Toowoomba, but she has now uh, moved up permanently as well. So we bought a house okay. here and um, in the process of, of making that a home. Fantastic. And for people who aren't listening from, uh, you know, locally, uh, Toowoomba is, what, about 150 kilometres from no, Brisbane? No, it's a little closer. It's hundred and just over 116 right. k's. Right, uh, OK. So about an hour and 20 up the hill. Yeah, and it's uh, it's quite a nice drive too, having done it just this morning. Yeah. So, look, Peter, um, uh, way I like to begin these conversations by going back to, you know, where it all began and, and telling us a little bit about where you were born and, you know, your early life, mum, dad, brothers and sisters. Etc. Uh, you know, where did all that start? Well, uh, I'm actually a South Australian, so okay. uh, even though I've transitioned to this job from Melbourne, um, home is originally Adelaide. Okay. So, born and bred around the beaches, around Glenelg mm -hmm. uh, in Adelaide. Went to school at um, Sacred Heart College, which is a well-known school for producing very good footballers. Okay. Of which I wasn't one. So right. I'm obviously you know, <laughs> the banker rather than the footballer. Sure. And what about uh, your parents? What sort of work did they do? Uh, mum was a stay-at-home mum. Yeah. But my my father um, was uh, finished his career as the um, official receiver in bankruptcy. So okay. he was uh, a public servant, um, a federal public servant. Mm -hmm. But dad was also a union president. So okay. he was a uh, president of a the White Collar uh, Union, which was called the ACOA, the Administrative and Clerical Officers Association, mm -hmm. which was uh, it's now the CPS, I think, or CPSU or something like right. that. Right. So, grew up in in a uh, in a good good house, uh, a, a good family, um, brothers and sisters. So I'm the youngest of four. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it was nothing but good memories. Right. Uh, as far as the family. So I guess. And I imagine for your dad, you know, dealing with bankruptcy is not, you know, uh, the most uh, pleasant um, profession. And then also having this heavy involvement in the unions. What was it like, you know, growing up? You're obviously, your dad in very serious um, professional responsibilities. How did that play out in terms of, uh, you know, the family and so on? It, it, no, it was good. We. Um you know, you, you always had uh, you always had the threat of um, uh, of your spending patterns being uh, being looked at growing up. Okay. So if you were a little bit of uh, loose with the cash, you're always right. under the under the threat of a future uh -huh. a future bankruptcy or a future client. <laughs> um, but uh, on the on the union side, I guess it was it was it, it brought a political awareness. Mm -hmm. um, uh, earlier uh, around the table. So our kitchen table was always full of political talk mm -hmm. um, and that came to an awareness through the 70s mm -hmm. for me, uh, particularly around the dismissal, okay, um, which yep. was a very active time Sure. Uh, around and Dad was very active in the union uh, movement around then. So it brought that 
uh, industrial relations part around the table. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the career path that, uh, that um, I ended up choosing. Okay. So my uh, degree, my basic degree, is uh, in business, but it majors in industrial relations and right. human resources. Okay. And, uh, and whilst you were completing high school and so on, did you have any part-time jobs or were you working at all? <laughs> the part-time jobs, they're, they're not exactly sexy part-time time jobs at all. Um, we used to, uh, the only real part-time job I had was a, um, uh, working at the golf driving range. All right. Yeah, picking Good. up. Collecting the balls, right, and then having everybody try and hit you. Oh, really? Well, you um, drove around in a little tractor. With no, them. you just walked around. Oh, you walked and around. They gave you a plastic helmet, right, and that's it. Plastic <laughs> helmet that wouldn't stop anything. And you wore a, a, a whatever you had to protect yourself. And, right. Um, Friday night, the uh -huh. the golfers used to line up and try to hit the kids collecting the balls. Okay, so, <laughs> so it's like the the beginning of paintball. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that. But, right, uh, that went. Um, that went through to uh, a, pa yeah, a paper round, so I had yeah. a paper round yeah. and um, taught me how to balance cash and then um, I worked at the races, so I was okay. uh, um, at the TAB, right. so on-course on, on totaliser. Okay, right. And yeah. so uh, straight from high school to university? No, I went... Um, I didn't, didn't, wasn't a particularly good student, I don't think, Richard. Right. So I wasn't really paying attention. Just uh, the balance was important, so having a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. And um, didn't really know what I wanted to do, so put my put my name down for law and everything else that you might want to do at university. I didn't get into any of those. Right. But I got into economics. Okay. Um, so started to look at economics at Flinders, but at that stage got a job as well. So I applied, I saw a job, um, a clerical job in, in uh, a statutory authority in South Australia in the oil and gas industry. Mm -hmm. um, it was called Pipelines Authority of South Australia. Okay. And it ran the natural gas line from Moomba to Adelaide. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a job there as an accounts payable clerk. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, that's a job. Um, jobs were reasonably hard to come by then, they weren't easy. So mm -hmm. I thought I'd, I'd do a job and study Okay. Part time. So I did uh, the first couple of semesters of economics mm -hmm. while I was working, but didn't like it. Right. So um, I gave that up and uh, then went back into um, business. So mm -hmm. gave it up for a year and then started a business degree. But I okay. did that part time. So I right. did my, my degree for the first four years part-time, mm -hmm. and that was that was a hard slog. So I did the first two years of it part-time, and then I resigned from work, mm -hmm. and then went back and did the last year full-time. And that was really the turning point. Okay, yeah. and uh, and it was a sort of passion for the work that your father was doing in the union movement that gave you the uh, desire to get into industrial relations. Yeah, um, okay. my brother was, my older brother, he was uh, also um, in, the, in that, uh, area yes. for his work, and he was also had started studying the same, the same okay. course. So okay. it was um, the IR stuff mm -hmm. uh, was was really interesting. And in even though I was only in a clerical role, uh, a very the, the lowest clerical role, um, I had a bit of an interest in um, in IR because we were oil and gas. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a fairly active area, sure. so okay. I started to show an interest in there too. And and work was sponsoring me through um, through the course. 
uh, when you were uh, working part-time. But then no, you I was made working a, full-time, studying oh, part-time. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, when you were studying part-time. But then you made a decision to just close it out, studying full-time, yep. just to get it over and done with. Well, it was a bit of uh, a life-changing um, uh, circumstance. You know, I had five years um, in that job as the account payable clerk. And right. I was basically, you know, had a great time, the office clown, <laughs> having a marvellous time. Right. And it took me a while to grow up and work out that you, know, you can't, you can't do this. So I was a bit of a late bloomer sure. as far as working out what I wanted to do okay. and, and and what I needed to do to uh, to make that move. Right. And so what happened uh, once you finished your uh, full-time degree then? Um, well, I, I, I saw a difference, you know, going part-time. Um, I was, again, having a nice time partying and just uh, passing and, yep. and um, just, just getting passes. Went to full time and suddenly I found that the rest of the course was very, very easy. So mm-hmm. I went from sort of mid, mid-range to top-range mm-hmm. parts and um, worked out that time management uh, was pretty easy okay. um, after working. So at that stage, I thought that I wanted to uh, pursue uh, industrial relations. I was trained up as mm-hmm. an industrial advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, back in the arbitration court. So you trained up in the arbitration, uh, industrial relations and arbitration court, conciliation arbitration commission. So ready to uh, be an industrial advocate um, and was waiting to go and work in the mine. So I put okay. uh, applications out for Port Hedland, Mount Isa right. and all these other, other spots thinking that that's what I wanted to do. And the attraction to the mining because from an IR point of view, they're pretty complex and uh, you know, there's a lot happening. Yeah, and yeah. I was working in, in the oil and gas sure. industry. I had a little bit of a, okay. an understanding of that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I thought I wanted to do. I got a job um, with uh, Bank SA right. at that stage, Bank of South Australia, as an industrial advocate. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that's pretty good in the HR department. but. Again, I thought I was a little different at that stage. Uh, I was a couple of years older than the average grad. I had five years work experience Mm -hmm. and I was uh, bought in on the grad program. But I thought that uh, they were paying a little bit too low. So I thought I'd test the market and um, suggested to the bank that um, I might be worth more than the going rate of a graduate. Right. And their answer was, if you think you're worth more, go and find something that pays more. Okay. So I did. Right. So um, uh, to their surprise, because they were bringing up wondering why I didn't start work. Right. So he asked me to go and find another job. So. Um, oh, so you hadn't even started in the role at that No, stage. I hadn't started right. okay. uh, at all. And they, they offered it. Um, I wasn't successful in, in the, I didn't think I was successful in the negotiation of pay. Right. Uh, they subsequently offered more, but by that stage I'd, I'd taken another job. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And which was what? Well, uh, oddly enough, that's where the banking career started. So that was with the National Australia Bank. Right. And that happened, uh, again, quite by accident. Literally, I was walking down down through campus and there were some campus interviews uh, taking place. Mm -hmm. And I stuck my head in and asked what was going on. And they said, we're interviewing for the the National Bank. Do you want to put your name down? So I said, yeah, okay. So I sat down and had an interview and then was offered a job and um, and had no intention of 
of working for the bank. It's, the banks weren't on the, the radar at all. This right. was a graduate program. Yeah. Um, where you started off in the branch and mm-hmm. you went through the branch for 40 odd weeks and then you got spat out into the general population of bankers mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, given an opportunity for a banking career. So that didn't appeal at all, but um, at that stage uh, I was on the rebound from the other one. Right. So I said yes to that uh, while I was waiting for a, um, waiting for a, a job in the mines. Mm-hmm. And that's how the banking career started. So I went into uh, the NAT as a graduate program. They took you over. That was in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. They took you over to Melbourne mm-hmm. um, for a three-week uh, course with all the other graduates to teach you how to be a teller sure. and how to, how to be a ledger clerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that time, they showed you what the bank was about. So they, okay. they took the graduates through each of the departments and they had people talk to you every day. And literally fell in love with it from right. then on. Yeah. So I thought this is this is cool. This would be something. So the IR aspiration at that point basically flew out the window. Out the window. Right. Gone. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, how long were you uh, with NAB for then? For well, been with NAB twice. Yeah. So for the first time, uh, five years. Uh-huh. So went in as a as a graduate, and that was into the branch. That was you started off uh, as a junior. Right in the branch, and uh, this was in the day where graduates were um, weren't uh, readily accepted mm-hmm. into banking. It was a new sort of concept. Banks were traditionally you started as a teller and right. you worked your way, yep. worked your way through. So the first day in the branch, we had everything. So you started off as a junior. One of my first tasks was uh, to defrost the fridge. <laughs> okay. Um, and embarrassingly, I didn't know how to do that. Right. So, um, so we had to defrost the fridge, weed the car park, right? Um, and, you know, empty the bins, balance the stamps. Okay. You know, everything. So and it, that was why you fell in love with banking. Yeah, defrosting <laughs> taught me life skills. Um, no, it was it was you, you just had to to do your time. So sure. It wasn't it wasn't a big stint. You had three weeks as the junior, then right. you had three weeks as the junior ledger clerk, and you had three weeks mm-hmm. as the senior ledger clerk. And they worked worked you through mm-hmm. each of those positions. And in that forty week period they got you up to um, what was called the accountant level. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was to fast track you through so that you'd spit out to be uh, an accountant in, mm-hmm. in the branch, which was like the supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, in the branch, but partway through that journey, um, I got a tap on the shoulder saying, uh, would you like to come into the corporate uh, graduate program? Okay. So I didn't finish my branch, my my full branch um, time. I got taken to head office in Adelaide Mm -hmm. and into corporate banking. And this was uh, in the uh, mid 80s. This was 1985. Um, and they just established corporate banking as a division and uh, went in there as an analyst. Mm-hmm. And, and this was, again, there was one computer in the whole, this, and it's not all that long ago really, but mm-hmm. there was one computer in the whole National Australia Bank. Right. Um, that was an old 386, it had big floppy disks. Okay, in it. yeah. Um, and you used to wheel that around on a, on a, um, on a special um, uh, platform. And I was the only one that 
knew how to use it. Okay. Um, so that was you know, cutting financials and doing financial mm -hmm. uh, analytics, mm -hmm. uh, which was all part of the business course. So I sort of knew what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really where I started to, to learn banking. Right. And so there for five years or so, and then stepped away for some time before coming back. What uh, motivated that? Well, I got uh, transferred to um, Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So went to Melbourne in 1986 and got fast-tracked through uh, the programs and worked with some, some really fantastic bankers at that stage in, uh, in NAB. This was when um, Don Argus was oh, yep. running the credit bureau. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were working in, in the credit bureau. So you were under the wing of some, some serious heavy hitters. Mm -hmm. And so learning a lot. And you got spat out at the end of that program as a, as a corporate finance manager. So you got your first manager, managerial stripes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was pretty cool. Got my first office on Collins Street right. um, as a junior manager. Uh, and just uh, newly married and then um, found out that we were going to have uh, our first child. Mm -hmm. And at that stage, uh, getting a little homesick for Adelaide mm -hmm. and found it just happened to stumble across a job which looked pretty cool. And this was a job, uh, it was called the Assistant Assistant Senior Finance Assistant. I can't even remember. What assistant called. Senior Finance Manager for um, State Treasury. Yeah, no, before that, that okay. was for uh, SGIC. Okay, right. And um, for the State Government Insurance Commission. Oh yes, I see. So I got a, an opportunity to go back to Adelaide. Right. It was a Senior Manager role, mm -hmm. um, running um, financial risk insurance, mm -hmm. and that was doing everything really interesting stuff. This was doing um, some of the first uh, securitisations uh, that Australia had. Um, we were doing uh, residual value insurance for trains, planes and automobiles. We were building up this really quite exotic um, uh, portfolio that we were taking um, insurance risk cover on mm -hmm. and basically using the AAA rating of uh, the Insurance Commission, which mm -hmm. was government-owned insurance commission. And, um, and guaranteeing bond issues or guaranteeing residual value payouts. They had exposure to the board, um, so you're doing board presentations. It was uh, state-owned enterprise, so you got exposure to state treasury as well. It had the promise of six months um, of secondment to New York, okay. uh, working with one of the monoline insurers over there. Mm -hmm. And it was the prospect of going back to Adelaide, mm -hmm. raising a family. Sure. Yeah. So, so we took that, um, and the minute I walked off the plane back in Adelaide, I thought I'd made a mistake. Right. Why? Um, why? Because uh, I found that the, the the culture of banking was a culture that really suited me. I liked mm -hmm. it, and the National Australia Bank culture at that stage was really rich. It was mm -hmm. the smallest of the four. It had an us versus them type of mentality. Mm -hmm. Very, very collegiate. And, um, and a good organisation that was looking out for its people and had a good career path. Mm -hmm. And I found that when you move from those organisations um, into smaller organisations, they didn't necessarily have that infrastructure or the collegiate feel sure. about them. Okay. So whilst I enjoyed the role, I was always missing mm -hmm. the camaraderie 
uh, and the structure that, mm-hmm. that the bank had. Okay. And so uh, eventually you uh, you headed back to National Australia Bank. Was that back to Melbourne again? Uh, no, that was uh, in Adelaide. Right. So I could see um, that the Insurance Commission, you know, we are going through the 90s by that stage, so we had the, the failures of the state banks, mm-hmm. um, the sale of... Uh, the State Government Insurance Commission, um, and it was getting to be pretty tough times. Um, I also realised at that stage that you, know, you needed to stay uh, ahead of the game. So I had done additional study, so I had my degree, I had a graduate biomat in finance that I'd, I'd done um, whilst I was with the NAB, and uh, when I was with SGIC, I decided that I needed an MBA. Right. So I put myself uh, into uh, an MBA mm-hmm. and through that process um, started to, uh, to cultivate um, the relationships back at the bank mm-hmm. and got the opportunity to, uh, to move back to the bank as a business banker mm-hmm. um, with, with the NAB. And in between I had a stint in state, state treasury, mm-hmm. in the state government, South Australian state treasury. Had the opportunity to um, to stay there, but I didn't I didn't see a, a future in mm-hmm. in that. Uh, that was a, a, a pretty tough gig. I went back into the insurance commission, running the accounting and operations uh, division. Didn't really think that was a, uh, the end career. Banking was always calling, mm-hmm. so I uh, went back to NAB mm-hmm. for the second time. And so, when you did your MBA, did that ignite for you then? you know, a a very sort of clear vision of where you wanted your career to progress to in the future? Because it sounds like up to that point, uh, you know, you were being fairly opportunistic in terms of an opportunity presented. You thought that looked kind of interesting. Um, Was it the MBA that started to give you some real focus on where you wanted to go? No, I think it was back in, it was actually back in the NAB. Um, And I mentioned, you know, I sort of regretted when I got off the plane back in Adelaide that that might not have been the right the right mm-hmm. move. Um, because at, at the NAB, particularly in Melbourne, I could see uh, that there was a hierarchy right. and it was very clear what the hierarchy was. Mm-hmm. Manager, senior manager, um, chief manager mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you were starting, I was starting to, to look around at people and thinking, you know, I think I could do that job. I okay. think I could get to this level or I yeah. think I could get to that level. And the NAB had um, its hierarchy based in in grades mm-hmm. that went from uh, the base manager was at level H mm-hmm. and then went up to A. Right. Yep. And you were always thinking, okay, oh, I'm the base H, I want to be a G, I want mm-hmm. to be an F, I want to be an E, I want to be a mm-hmm. D. D was um, a chief manager, um, so that was pretty senior. Okay. Hard hitting. Right. So at that stage, it was, yep, I've got a pretty clear idea. And I thought that I could be an assistant GM. I thought, yep, I'm looking at assistant GM. I reckon I could do that. Maybe I, maybe a, a GM was a bit of a, a stretch. But I thought at that stage early on, I reckon I could get to AGM. Right, OK. Um, so that gave me a structure. And when I got out of that structure, I was missing it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's probably, probably what I was looking for. There wasn't a clear path. Mm-hmm where banks had a very, very clear path mm-hmm. about how you could get to, to certain levels. Mm-hmm. And did you find when you went back to the National Australia Bank, 
all of the things that you missed were still there or were you holding on to a bit of a romantic ideal of, you know, the good old days and then yeah. reality was a bit different? Yeah, it, it, it's a good observation. There was a little bit of an ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, it had changed. The culture had changed. I was only out for three years or mm-hmm. three and a half years. Um, but the culture had changed. It had, had got a little bit of a harder edge to it. Um, which wasn't wasn't a bad thing, but there was more and more external people um, coming into the bank, mm-hmm. and you could see banking uh, banking change, changing. But it still had this this structure, mm. you know. And I came back as um, a business banker, and and that was probably one of the uh, one of the best jobs I've had. It was a job that um, I was. I knew that I would have to do, had I stayed in the bank, I knew I, I would have had to do, have done right. that, that role. It's this sort of a rite of passage type A role, little bit, it? and it was a scary role. Okay. Being a corporate banker is a lot easier than being mm-hmm. a business banker because, sure. you know, as a corporate banker, the information's given to you, mm-hmm. it's transparent, you're dealing with professionals and everything's you know, pretty easy, really. Mm-hmm. In business banking, you're dealing with uh, business owners. Mm. The information's uh, a bit more opaque. Yep. Um, the judgment calls are um, there to be made, mm-hmm. and you have to be far, far more skillful at dealing with the emotive sort of orientation. Everything. You know, sure. You've had clients threatening you, right? And, um, and, and you're dealing with people's livelihoods, sure. and you're making those decisions of whether you mm-hmm. pay a check or you mm-hmm. don't pay a check, whether mm-hmm. you close it, whether you uh, keep it open. Mm-hmm. And I um, found that a real challenge. Um, and you had to you had to market. The business wasn't just coming in the door. Mm-hmm. So the first twelve months of that role um, were uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. I had to teach myself how to uh, to get out on the footpath mm-hmm. and um, knock on doors and and pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but one day um, it just it just clicked and mm-hmm. came. So the twelve months of of hard work that I put in suddenly just paid dividends. And, mm-hmm. and whilst I was always out knocking on doors, um, my people were knocking on my door or ringing me up mm-hmm. far, far more because I, I developed a reputation of, um, of a banker that would listen, a banker that was keen for business, that would go the extra mile um, to do the right thing by the client. And referrals mm-hmm. just started happening. People mm. would say, go and see Peter, um, he'll um, he's a good good bloke. Mm-hmm. He'll give you a um, a good hearing, mm-hmm. and business just started to come in, and um, so the portfolio took off, reputation um, grew, and I got an opportunity then to you know, to take another role to head up the business development team mm-hmm. um, in uh, in South Australia for the NAB, mm-hmm. and the same thing sort of happened there. You got into a bit of a groove. Sure. Yeah. But obviously, as somebody who uh, wants to keep uh, learning and growing because not long after that you uh, jumped out and, and then joined the Commonwealth Bank. Yes, yes. So, again, that was a little bit of a... Um, the uh, aspiration for that happened because um, I was working uh, and doing the, the the bulk of the work, really, uh, in this division um, and I thought that uh, we had a little bit of an inequity about there was two of us doing it. One was at a higher grade than I was. Okay. I thought, you know what's going on. Sure. So um, again, that was a conversation. To say, well, 
don't think that's fair and mm -hmm. probably didn't get the quite the right answer mm -hmm. at that stage. Um, and uh, purely by coincidence, there happened to be a role advertised um, for the Commonwealth Bank at that stage. And that was to head up a new division called Business Asset Finance, which mm -hmm. was a, the cash flow lending uh, division of the Commonwealth Bank. And um, three of us actually from the NAB uh, went for, went okay. for those roles. And um, we were, two of us were accepted. So mm -hmm. I was offered uh, to head up the division for Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And um, a mate was offered uh, the, the same opportunity in Sydney. So okay. he took off with his family to Sydney and I moved again with my family to Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So I had a newly minted um, MBA, mm -hmm. uh, which I just received. Literally, I, I think I graduated with it couple of weeks before um, before we moved over. So we moved back to uh, back to Melbourne and um, into an organisation, the CBA, that I had no um, information on. Mm -hmm. uh, it was still just came out of public service mm -hmm. um, and then started the CBA journey. Okay. And uh, and there for a seven or eight years. Yep. Just uh, seven. Just over seven. Right. Moving through a number of different roles before then moving to um, St George Bank. Yeah. Uh, and at that stage, Managing Director Victoria. So, you know, quite a substantive role, I'm sure. It was. Um, and I got that uh, opportunity because the Commonwealth Bank turned out to be a fantastic organisation to work for. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, really good organisation. Have a lot of um, fond memories uh, of it. And I was given a lot of opportunity in the Commonwealth Bank. So I spoke about the, the layering and, mm -hmm. and, um, and the hierarchy. Well, the Commonwealth Bank was pretty good on hierarchy. Mm -hmm. um, and I got the opportunity to... Um, I, I hit general manager status at, um, at the Combank. So I moved as a, a senior executive to chief manager to or senior manager, chief manager, and then, um, uh, then got the opportunity to be general manager. Mm -hmm. And through that, uh, I had the opportunity to work for Gail Kelly, who was Combank. Okay. Com yes. And uh, so I worked in, uh, in Gail's division, and then Gail moved to St George. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after, um, I had the opportunity to, um, to look at uh, the St George opportunity as right. GM for... Um, they approached you uh, based on your relationship with uh, was hard, It's hard to say. It was right. done a little bit okay. in a... Uh, in a I got, a, I got a, a phone call one day and saying, um, there's, there's a job that we'd like to talk to you about. Right. And it was through, um, through a recruitment firm. Okay. Um, Those sneaky headhunters. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and I was given, uh, given that opportunity. So, and that, it, that wasn't an easy job. It wasn't an easy decision to make. Right. I mean, you were, uh, I was dealing, I was a GM in, in the Combank. I had a big portfolio, um, had near a thousand people in my division. Mm -hmm. um, it was a $21 billion um, balance sheet that I was running. You know, it was a, it was a, mm -hmm. you know, a good job. Mm -hmm. And then coming into St George, even though you were GM of, um, and the titular head of the, of the state, it was a smaller operation mm -hmm. than, than I had been running. Mm -hmm. But um, it was a pretty exciting uh, time. Gail is a very energetic mm. leader. Um, 
And so I, so I made the decision to um, to go over. Okay. And just being uh, cognizant of your time, uh, because I'm keen to really get into sort of, you know, where you're at now, um, uh, at uh, St George Bank for about eight years and then a, a, a move into um, Bank of Melbourne. Yeah. And then it seems... That was the, mer- that was the merger. That was the West okay. Bank merger. Right. Okay. And then it, it seems as though at that point in your career... Um, you had quite a substantive shift, didn't yep. you? So where was your sort of thinking around, you know, uh, your career at that point and, and what led to, you know, your desire to really step out of that, you know, highly corporatised space? Um, well, it wasn't really a desire to step out of it. You know, that was a, a forced step out. Okay. Um, the, uh, and and it's, it was a challenge. This, this is important uh, in terms of building resilience because... Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was running that uh, division for St George. We mm-hmm. made the uh, decision to change it into Bank of Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, and I had the full expectation that I would be leading uh, Bank of Melbourne. Okay, um, but that didn't transpire, mm-hmm. and that was disappointing mm-hmm. that um, uh, somebody else was was chosen to do that uh, to do that role. Mm-hmm. But then I was given the opportunity to be the chief operating officer okay. of the new bank. Mm-hmm. So you, you're stepping down from something that you had built, that I had built a big reputation um, around St George in Victoria mm-hmm. um, and not to be given the opportunity to take it to the next step through mm-hmm. the new brand was you know, was a blow. It mm-hmm. was uh, difficult to, to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I decided to take the COO role mm-hmm. um, and there were a couple of incentives to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to work through, and and we built something that was pretty special. There's not too many opportunities to build a new bank. Sure. Uh, and when looking at it, that's what I decided to do. And mm-hmm. in hindsight, that proved to be correct because then we had the the GFC mm-hmm. sweep through, and um, and banking uh, became pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was a good opportunity. But at the end of that, um, at the end of my contractual period to do that. Um, there wasn't a lot of other uh, opportunity there. Okay. So uh, that's when um, a departure from banking right. happened. Okay. And so um, you're suddenly in a situation where you're having to make some, you know, big choices about where do you want to take your career next. What, what were some of the things that you were considering at the time? Um, I, I uh, took a lot of advice. So the first thing I did was um, to, to talk to a lot of people, mm-hmm. spoke to a lot of people like you okay um and looking initially looking to get straight back in straight back on the horse and get back into executive roles Mm -hmm. but what i did was i drew i took a breath and drew a venn diagram and said what are the three areas um that i might want to look at Mm -hmm. and where would these things intersect Mm -hmm. so i looked at non-executive director i looked at community um to to give back um, right. into the non-profit sector uh-huh. and I looked at banking and, um, and mutuals mm-hmm. and I, I thought when I looked at that that the mutual sector would be a good sector for me to um, that, that my uh, interest would overlay in mm-hmm. banking obviously community focus culture was mm-hmm. an important part of that so I did um, start looking at other roles, other executive roles, but I sort of started to hone down 
into the areas or into the companies that I thought I might add the most value. Mm -hmm. And so you were uh, specifically mapping out those organisations to go and essentially put yourself in front of. Yeah, I was I was very disciplined through through that that period, uh, Richard. I had a, um, a long period of um, gardening leave. Yes. So where and a non compete, so mm -hmm. I wasn't able to work. Um, but I was able to, to think a lot mm -hmm. about what was happening. So I was disciplined in my approach and, and researched in my approach. But through this, um, I had a lot of clients ringing me and talking to me and wanting me to help them and assist them. And um, when I was able to do that, mm -hmm. um, I started my own company okay. uh, to do it. And so when you speak of clients, what type of... Uh businesses are you referring to? Um, mainly corporates. Okay. So these were um, my speciality uh, in banking and and, um, and subsequently my business is privately owned, family owned companies right. um, that are either going through transition, mm -hmm. so uh, up to IPO, maybe going through intergenerational change, mm -hmm. uh, trade sale or getting them ready for mm -hmm. sale or putting in um, a better corporate structure, advisory board structures mm -hmm. or board structures. So getting a, a lot more um, discipline, corporate discipline mm -hmm. around family companies. So mm -hmm. this is anything that's got a $30 million turnover to you know, a $500 million turnover. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where, uh, before I knew it, I'd established a business in that, mm -hmm. in that area, corporate advisory business in that area. Um, and and as that took off, I spent less time um, looking at executive roles. Right. And the business um, was was um, forming along very, very well, mm -hmm. and to the point where I no longer was interested in executive roles. Okay. Um, I was interested in, in building the business and mm -hmm. really enjoying the uh, value-add that I was giving to the companies that I was working for. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, you know, also some uh, greater flexibility than uh, were you in a more traditional executive role. Well, there, there is flexibility, but you're working for yourself. And sure. You, you know this, so you don't get paid. Yes. Um, you don't get to eat unless you're um, you're on and knocking on doors and talking to people. Yeah. So... And that's something that I've always enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. So I've always been out networking. I've always enjoyed it. Um, I've always developed really good relationships. With Those people. early business banking skills, uh, you know, trained you well for the life of a consultant. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So um, you're motoring along, doing your consulting work. I know uh, that you have some involvement with Amplify. Yes. And uh, Susanna Bransgrove, who yep. I actually saw her in a cafe on Tuesday, uh, just moved back to Brisbane. But um, Yes, doing uh, some other things too, I read. Yeah, yeah. she's a, a very interesting, great lady. And so, um, okay, and uh, uh, internal consulting group. So, um, ICG. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so your own business was Blackhall & Pearl? No, my own business is Parkside Partners. Okay. Uh, Black Hole oh, and Pearl. Right. Okay. Um, I was doing some um, advisory work on uh, board advisory work. Okay. So independent board reviews. Yes. Um, was uh, the Black Black Hole and Pearl guys really smart guys on risk and, and board advisory? So uh -huh. that was a, a pretty good model. Right. And we were looking at developing that further, um, but uh, I found it hard to break. Uh, away from Parkside Partners, mm -hmm. my company, because mm -hmm. 
my clients were mm-hmm. continuing uh, to come in and mm-hmm. continuing to give me opportunity. So again, I had to make a decision. Uh, um, you, you have to put 100% mm-hmm. into what you're doing. I couldn't put 100% in uh, to Black Hole and Pearl on the Board of Boris side and I still had clients mm-hmm. that I had to look after. Okay on the past side side. So, so you're I, juggling a number of different uh, balls at the same time. Correct. And right. I decided that no, Parkside Partners was the one that I had to concentrate okay. on. Okay. Yeah. But in the meantime, suddenly the heritage opportunity pops up on your radar. Yeah. So how did that all uh, uh, come about? Uh, well, you might be distressed to hear about this, uh, Richard, given your profession, but um, <laughs> traditionally this came about through a traditional ad in the financial review. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it was uh, having a having a coffee, working from my home office. Yeah, came out to have a coffee, opened the paper, and went, "Oh, this this looks interesting. Here's a job for um, for Heritage Bank CEO." Mm-hmm. I do remember it clearly because at the time uh, I was having some conversations with the incumbent, uh, and uh, it was very unusual to see uh, an organisation of the sort of size of Heritage going out to recruit their own CEO, but uh, but happening more and more now, you know. So um, uh, I had some awareness of what was going on yeah, at the time. Yeah, Well, I was, I was uh, you know, I was surprised, looked at it um, and thought, well, that, that looks pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Did, I heard about Heritage, of course, but didn't know, didn't know a lot about them. Uh, had to look up the map to see where Toowoomba was. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you think, hey, Queensland, fantastic. You know, right. Throwing the throwing the bathers. Yeah. <laughs> so we're a little bit up the hill. Yes, um, just a tad. And uh, but then saying, well, that looks like a pretty interesting bank. Mm. So I thought, um, yeah, again, that was decision time because uh, Parkside Partners, my consultancy company, was going really well, and it was the point. Of, of actually having to put people on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I had to, to make that decision about um, actually building it up and, and making it bigger. And this job came along and I'd all but stopped applying for executive roles. In fact, mm-hmm. I found that it was wasting time. Okay. Um, and and getting your, um, deflecting your... Um, you're distracted. You're just too distracted yeah. looking at it. Where... We had a, a good business um, mm-hmm. uh, going along, mm-hmm. and I had to chat to my wife and said, "Well, this, this looks like a pretty good bank, mm-hmm. and um, why don't uh, you know, there's still something burning there? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to apply." Mm-hmm. So we had a chat about it. We realised that it was uh, a move, mm-hmm. and um, but we won't know unless, unless we give it a go. So we. Um, I sent off the uh, the application and and then went through the process. Right, and um, no doubt uh, because uh, they were running the recruitment process themselves, you would have had a you know quite uh, significant interaction with the board through that process. I imagine. Yeah, you'd think so, um, but it was it was it was a, a very refreshing process. Okay, um, had uh, an initial interview mm-hmm. with the. Um, uh, noms committee, mm-hmm. and uh, then I was asked to come back for another interview. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, we had um, decisions to make at home. Uh, I thought this was going to be a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife hadn't seen Toowoomba, mm-hmm. and we had a decision: as, do we come up 
together so you can have a look at it. Right. It's only the second interview. Okay. Um, and we ummed and and we made the decision, no, we'll come up, both come mm-hmm. up for the second interview. As it turned out, that was probably um, a, an interview of Jackie as well. Oh, right. Um, because we caught up with the chairman for a coffee on uh, on the Sunday before um, before the interview. And uh, so he got a chance to meet my wife. We had another interview. I had another interview on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then I was offered the job not mm-hmm. long long after that. So it was a very, a very re- refreshing... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and probably reflective of heritage, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, the culture of people first and, mm-hmm. and how we like to do things. Um, so it wasn't a long, drawn-out process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I imagine whilst they're doing their due diligence on you, no doubt you were doing your due diligence on the organisation beyond, you know, do we want to move as, uh, as a couple to Toowoomba, et cetera. So what, what were some of the strategies you used um, uh, in order to satisfy for yourself that it was a role that was worthy of you uh, essentially relinquishing your, uh, your own consulting business? Well, first um, is looking at the strength of the balance sheet. So mm-hmm. once a banker, always a banker. You're right. going to, to look, have you got um, have you got a sound organisation? And from what you can see out of, out of the published results, um, uh, investigating, doing the financial analysis, splitting the numbers and mm-hmm. working out, is this, is this something that um, has a future? Mm-hmm. And is this something that, that you would be proud to be associated with. And when we look at the bank, um, we look at 141-year history, um, we're uh, the largest mutual in the country, we've got fantastic products and fantastic um, associations with top brands through our, our car programs with Australia Post and Access Prepaid, Optus, Qantas. Mm-hmm. So immediately saying, well, this brand's got some carriage, you know, sure. can do something. 61 branches, 800 people, um, eight and a half billion in balance sheet. You know, you've got something you can play with mm-hmm. there. So in looking at that and doing the diligence, you're seeing that you do have a critical mass. Now, we're a small bank in terms of the overall banking sector, but in terms of the mutual sector, which we like to classify differently, mm-hmm. then we are a large player. We do, we do have presence but I could see that we had the opportunity to leverage that presence more. So when you're looking at these types of opportunities, you're not looking at just coming in and running something. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a run, grow, transform right. type of model mm-hmm. that you can come in and say, here's a good bank that we can do things with, but it's not meeting its potential. Mm-hmm. We can grow that bank and make it do mm-hmm. a lot of different things. So when you look at our financials over the last few years, we've had a stellar... Um, uh, r- record mm-hmm. um, of growing the balance sheet, but mm-hmm. then we hit a plateau, and we've hit been on this plateau for a few years. So the opportunity to say there's a, a chance here to reinvigorate the bank, mm-hmm. think about things differently, bring all of that experience that you've had in um, building a new bank in the Bank of Melbourne, um, running retail for St George, running corporate for. Um, Combank, mm-hmm. um, running your own business sure. and understanding what you need to do in that and bringing that all together and culminating uh, in a CEO role. Mm-hmm. It was, it was way so, too good to pass up. Fantastic. And so when you step into the role, 
Uh, welcome, Peter. What was the, the mandate? You know, what, what, what were the initial directives? Uh, this is what we'd like you to achieve in, say, you know, the first 12 to 24 months. The, the, board, the, the board's been very, very good, very supportive board and very stable board. Um, so uh, the board, and we've got a very stable senior executive team mm -hmm. as well. And the bank's been well run. So the mandate, um, we, we, I didn't really receive a mandate so much as um, an endorsement of what I had already said okay. to the board, mm -hmm. where I could see that by observations we, we were on that plateau and this is how I think we need to get off of that. Mm -hmm. um, so what we've done in that period of time is, is work toward what we need to do to get off of that plateau, mm -hmm. how we need to, to set our vision and mission, uh, what we need to centre on, which is customer, and um, how we need to grow uh, those customers. So it's all about, for us, it's all about customer growth. So mm -hmm. the, the mantra is um, how do we make our bank more attractive to uh, the younger generation? Mm -hmm. We've got 300,000 clients. We've had them for a long time. Our customer growth hasn't really been moving. Um, and we have to work out ways of attracting and being more relevant to a younger generation whilst maintaining and being respectful of our existing clients. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that our strategy says mm. grow, attract and grow new clients, build and maintain existing clients, and it's all centred around a better customer experience. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, to summarise it in a, in a soundbite, what's the difference in the customer experience that a younger person wants than a more traditional heritage client? It comes, it comes down through channel choice. So when we look at mobile, mm -hmm. um, we have to be um, uh, present in a range of different, job, uh, different channels. We mm -hmm. can't concentrate purely on branch or internet um, or mobile. We have to be across all channels. But in, in reality, the younger generation is going to be doing their banking on an iPhone or an mm -hmm. Android or something like that. So we have to make sure that uh, we're competitive in the market uh, on these products, but easy to do business with on these products. So our mantra in a soundbite is, are we, are we a physical bank? with a digital presence mm -hmm. or are we a digital bank with a physical presence? Mm -hmm. And it's really the latter. We want to be a, a digital bank with a physical presence, mm -hmm. with a branch presence, mm -hmm. because that's the way the banking's going. There's mm -hmm. going to be less, uh, less physical branches and less need mm -hmm. to have transactions. There'll always be a need for interaction. Mm -hmm. So there'll always be a need to have branches and we're very, very proud of them. Mm -hmm. um, but we are going to have to spend more energy uh, and time on getting banking through mobile and digital applications um, uh, so that they speak to the generation that we, we want to attract whilst respecting the generation that have built the bank that we've got. Mm -hmm. and, and when you're looking out at the market to look for examples of best practice in that regard, are you looking to, you know, what's happening in the... Uh, banking financial services sector in Australia? Are you looking internationally? Are you looking at other industries to adopt, you know, what they're doing into into this industry? What? How do, how do you work that through? Uh, all of the above. Right. Um, but mainly, uh, the, I believe that the banking um, industry is probably at the forefront mm -hmm. of, of most of uh, the payments technology that goes behind mm -hmm. good digital uh, applications. 
Um, and I've, I've just come back from the UK where um, I was over doing exactly that and looking at uh, the best digital trends mm -hmm. um, over there. And we had some, some great experiences with uh, Lloyds Bank and with uh, Barclays Bank that are actually investing a lot of money into their digital platforms. In fact, they're digital, digital banks. Mm -hmm. This is a good example of old banks, physical banks, uh, knowing that they've got to change to, mm. to digital uh, applications. And then working out you know, just how easy it is to, to bank digitally. So one of the big takeouts uh, I got from that is you should be developing all of your applications for small screen because mm -hmm. if you develop for small screen, um, an iPhone or an Android, it's very easy then to, to, to expand it out to mm -hmm. iPad or to desktop sure. um, and ultimately to branch. So any experience that you, or any product that you build, you need to build small screen first and then the customer experience should be no more than say six clicks mm -hmm. on one of, one of uh, mm -hmm. a mobile device. So if you can get something done in six clicks, you've got to be pretty smart. Mm -hmm. So six clicks gets down to six applications uh, in a branch or six questions in mm -hmm. a branch rather than um, uh, the current process that you might mm -hmm. go through. And how have you found coming into a bank, you know, uh, uh, with the history and, and uh, uh, the, as you said, you know, a largely uh, team which has been very uh, secure and long-term, that must be a massive culture shift for... Uh, uh, the bank. Have you found that it's been adop adopted, and you know there's been a large uh, degree of engagement by the, you know, the employees of the bank to take it in this direction? Yeah, I think um, yeah, ch change is always challenging, and and what we are uh, introducing to the bank is the concept of change. But mm -hmm. we're introducing the concept of change is good, mm -hmm. and if you're not changing, then you're not growing. So we are adopting the mantra, the mantra of better. So if you, if you want to be better at something, and most people in their lives want to be better at things, and you see it all the time, home improvement shows, cooking shows. Sure. It's all about people you know, being better at their hobbies yeah. or better at what they do. And that's what we want to do in the bank. So we're exciting people mm -hmm. um, about the concept of, of being better, delivering a better customer ex experience, mm -hmm. stopping stupid things. So the culture that we have in, in mutuals particularly is very, very exciting because um, we do, I believe, have this, this difference that major banks don't have. You know, we've got this twinkle in the eye of our people that want to help, that mm -hmm. want that seriously um, are committed to and passionate about helping clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, banks, particularly our bank, we're the original peer-to-peer -peer lender. Mm -hmm. and we find people that had money and give it to people that want a home mm -hmm. uh, because other, other banks either weren't here, weren't in the region or, or, or wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're reinvigorating that idea of peer-to-peer. -peer. We're mm -hmm. reinvigorating the idea of mutuality and, um, and the culture that we've got about passion about helping people enables us, gives us that conduit, I think, to enable us to, to get that message out and to deliver on that mission. Mm, fantastic. Um, Recognising that uh, we're running out of time here, you, one of the things that uh, this podcast is uh, aimed at is for the audience of aspiring CEOs to really learn from those people who have walked the path before them. If you were to summarise some of your key learnings during your career, which has enabled you to, you know, reach um, at this point, what, what would be some of the things that you'd share with that audience about 
practices or attitudes that they could adopt to assist them? Um, well, firstly, uh, education. Mm-hmm. So I, I firmly believe that had I not invested in, um, in uh, my degree, uh, then my graduate diploma, then the MBA, and then the continual learning from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, no way. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, throw yourself into education, um, and then secondly, um, just don't lose the uh, the love of learning or the or the inquiring nature. Mm-hmm. I'm always inquisitive about why things are happening that way and, and why do they have, uh, need to happen that way. And I think that if you are naturally inquisitive um, and engaged, then you'll find people that want to help you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've found throughout my career. When you're showing an interest, mm. people will take an interest in you mm-hmm. and develop you. And I've, I've been lucky that I've always had people that have taken me under their wing, mm-hmm. shown me how things are done, uh, and I've learnt off them and then found other mentors to learn off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, some of that, most of that, has probably been done subconsciously. Yeah. You haven't set out to say, you yeah, know, that's somebody I, I need to learn from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, in some cases, you do mm-hmm. uh, see somebody. But it came, came down early to the way people conducted themselves in meetings, the way people dressed, mm-hmm. uh, the way people um, interacted with their peers and, and colleagues, uh, uh, subordinates, as well as um, other people that they reported to. Mm-hmm. And you, you quickly found out people that we used to call guns. You know, right. Yeah, he's a gun, she's right. a gun. Yeah. And what's making them different? And then just observing it. So okay. Observations to keep up. Sure. And uh, and for yourself, looking into the future, you know, if you uh, look at your career as it will continue to unfold, what are the kinds of things you're excited about? Um, well, first and foremost, I'm very excited about the future. Obviously, uh, that we we have for the bank, um, and and I, I I firmly believe that it's a really exciting time for heritage, but it's mm-hmm. a really exciting time for the mutual sector as well. Mm-hmm. We've just got to get our act together as as a collective of mutuals to say there is a real difference mm-hmm. about how we bank here. But um, personally, um, I'm I'm very uh, excited by prospects of continuing this work. So I see a long career, um, not necessarily as a, as a CEO, but um, a long career as an NED, mm-hmm. um, working uh, across and imparting that knowledge um, back and importantly giving uh, um, the opportunity to new people coming up mm-hmm. as uh, I've been involved with a lot of um, development programs. Mm-hmm. And you asked me what my other interests were uh, outside and the things that I have given up other mentoring, the, the chairmanships of, um, of several groups that had involvement with developing people mm-hmm. um, professionally and, um, and also socially. Okay. So that's, that's something that um, I'm passionate about and I want to get back into. Mm-hmm. I imagine there'd be a, a lot of opportunity not only to do that within the bank but also within the, the Toowoomba community. Yeah. Um, the, look, Toowoomba, as I'm learning, is a fantastic community, very, very warm, very generous mm-hmm. and, and has a lot of support programs out uh, to develop its, its people. Uh, and likewise, the bank. We have an emerging leader program that um, I've immediately taken an interest in, mm-hmm. and we have those people that I was talking about with that twinkle in the eye, 
and you can really see future leaders out of that, some really impressive people that uh, we have to let shine. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And last question before I let you get on with your day. We've talked a lot about uh, uh, work today. What are the kind of things you like to do when you're not working to uh, keep the batteries charged and, and keep you excited about life? Uh, many interests, Richard. So right. um, uh, on the sporting side, uh, I, I play old man cricket. Okay. Um, so uh, veterans cricket and uh, a uh, golfer, right? And um, I like uh, I like mucking around with my um, hands, so into uh, woodwork. Okay. French polishing, right? Restoration, uh -huh. uh, antiques. So. And uh, and what about our travel and? Yeah, well, travel. I'm finding uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of travel. I'm on the plane almost constantly, going right. back and forth. But yeah, no, love. We love travel. So um, mm -hmm. we've. I was working, but my wife was holidaying while I, uh, in the UK. Right. We've just come back from America. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, not long before that, Borneo. So, yeah, we like um, going away. We've got some friends that we like travelling with. Okay. Um, and we try and organise organise something every year. Oh, fantastic. Well, it sounds as though you uh, have a very busy and uh, fulfilling life. <laughs> Might sound better on paper. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, well. Well, look, Peter, uh, thanks very much. Really appreciate your time. I'm Pleasure. sure uh, the people listening in uh, will have uh, enjoyed that conversation. We'll put in uh, web links to your LinkedIn profile and, and Heritage Bank and some of the other things you've talked about. But for now, uh, have a fantastic afternoon. Thank you. Thanks again for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed that discussion. I'm really looking forward to having you along for future episodes of the Arate podcast. And if there's anybody that you're particularly interested in me having along as a guest, who's either a CEO or a chair, or has achieved fantastic things in their own career, I'd welcome the opportunity to have a chat to them about appearing as a guest. In the meantime, have a fantastic day.